This week's episode of Greetings from Storybrooke is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash storybrooke. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that link is audibletrial.com slash storybrooke. Greetings from Storybrooke. I'm Bill Meeks, and Emery actually isn't here. Hi, everybody. Um, it is about 10:12 p.m. on August 19th. We're about a week and a half away from DragonCon, where, if you haven't heard, uh, we are doing a, a panel uh, on fan casting with the podcasting track in Atlanta, Georgia, on Labor Day weekend. Is when DragonCon happens, and I'm also going to be on a Second season overview panel for Once Upon a Time that I'd really like to see uh, some people out at. It's going to be Saturday, uh, August 31st at 5.30 p.m. in the Marriott, uh, room M301, and it's called Once Upon a Second Season. And, you know, I didn't actually uh, specify when the fan casting panel will be. We talked about it on the last episode. It's going to be Saturday, 11.30 a.m. in Hilton 203. And it's called How to Start a Fan Cast About Your Favorite TV Show. Uh, it's going to be me, Anne Marie, Justin Robert Young from Twit's NSFW show, uh, Kevin uh, Bachelader, Daryl Darnell, Stephanie Smith, and Les Howard. I know a few of these people run big networks uh, that do fan cast, and some of them just have, you know, one show or two shows about uh, things they really care about, like we have with Once. So I, I'd really love to see all of you out there. Um, let's see, I know we I know uh, there are a few fans out there that you've probably heard right into the show, like Hope and uh, Win, are going to be out there. We'd like to get together with all of you at some point if we can. Anne Marie will only be at the convention on Saturday, so if you're interested, if you're going to be be there and you're interested in meeting up, uh, go ahead and get a hold of us. Greetings from Storybrook at Gmail dot com. Or you can tweet me at Bill Meeks or Anne Marie at AM Desimone. And uh, just let us know when when would be good for you on Saturday. Probably sometime between those two panels. So sometime between 11.30 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Or maybe even right after the Once Upon a Time uh, second season panel. That seems like it would, it would work out well, right? But we definitely hope to see you out there. Uh, now, as far as this episode, I figured it's episode 30. This is probably the last episode we're going to get out before Dragon Con, definitely. And we might might be the next to last episode we get out before the new season starts. So I thought, hey, why don't we do a best of episode? Now, I, I had this idea earlier today, and I tweeted out and Facebooked and et cetera, et cetera to everyone. Hey, if you have a favorite moment, send it to us. I didn't give you enough time, but I wanted to go ahead and get this out there, so... One, so I could get it off my to-do list. Two, so I could get you guys information about the panels that we're going to be on. And uh, three, uh, just because I felt like sitting down and doing it. So don't judge me. I did it. Um, I'm trying to think 
Anything else here before we get into the main content of the episode? Oh, yeah. If you want to check out the panel information in more detail, it's available on our website, greetingsfromstorybrook.com. It's a, a sticky posted, so it should be right up there on the front page for you. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get into the main content of the episode, which is the best of... I figured I'd go ahead and start with the opening of episode zero. So if you haven't gone back and listened to the first episode, which was just recorded on a little recorder in the kitchen one night, uh, here's the, the opening to the first episode of Greetings from Storybrooke. Greetings from Storybrooke. I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Anne-Marie D. Simone. And this is our new Once Upon a Time podcast. Uh, we are both uh, fans of the show. I, I think that's fair to say. Completely. Completely. And uh, we just, you know, we, we talk about it after the show airs every week. So we thought it would be nice to, you know, do a podcast about it. Because I'm sure you guys want to hear us talk. Of course. Everybody wants to hear us talk. Of course. Of course. Of course. Oh, we were so young then, weren't we? Okay, so we're back. And I went ahead and I went through pretty much everything. Every episode we've done past episode three or four and put together a compilation of the little rhyming intros we do for every episode that give a recap of the once episode we're talking about. They've been a fan favorite, uh, you know, the entire time we've been doing the show. And I thought it'd be interesting to put them all together in order so you can kind of see the evolution. If you didn't realize, we didn't start out where they were rhyming. I think I think I just accidentally rhymed something in one of them one time, and it just kind of grew from there, but people seem to like it, so I expect it to return. But, you know, this this is nice. It's about a five-minute recap of the entire second season for you. So I figured we'd lead with that and then move on to the, the other stuff. So here you go. <laughs> All right. This week, Killian Jones gets hooked on Mrs. Rumpelstiltskin. While back in Storybrooke, Mr. Gold rings a bell. <clears throat> Charming takes over as Storybrooke's sheriff, and Cora meets up with a friend for a day at the beach. Alliances form and bonds are broken in this week's episode, The Crocodile. Okay, so without any further ado, let's get into the show. All right. And this week, Regina sees a shrink, but it's a different doctor who turns her on her head. Yes, a man from another land seeks to raise the dead. And in the enchanted forest, Snow and Emma learn to trust a villain, or at least tolerate him. Oh, and did we mention the undead monster? Secrets are revealed, and there's an awful lot of training in this week's spooky episode, The Doctor. We do have something to say. Okay. Emma and Hook climb up a beanstalk to raid a lost world and have a fee-fi-fo-fun while they're at it. We learn the identity of Henry's father and the mystery postcard receiving man. Psst. They are one in the same. Aurora and Henry meet in a land of dreams, and we never actually make it to a little town called Tallahassee. Which is this week's episode. Ruby embraces her wild side in the old land and the new one. Charming goes crown to crown with old King George. Rumpel teaches Henry how to become a dream master. And Gus the Mouse learns all about the axe effect. All in this week's episode, Child of the Moon. The dead walk and the living sleep. Cora takes Aurora and makes her go beep. Emma and Snow's journey is nearly complete, all in this week's episode, Into the Deep. 
Gus, Gus. <laughs> Emma and Snow have some place to go. Gold and Queenie use all their smarts. Hook meets the queens, and the baddies are teamed in this week's episode, Queen of Hearts. Please make him stop rhyming. I someone, will never stop. Someone rhyming. complain, please. It was just too lucky. I get last compliments week. on those. Hopper drops. Call the cops. Regina's to blame. Or is it just another cricket game? Go ahead and summarize it for us, Anne Marie. Belle thinks Mr. Gold swell, but Hook wants him to go straight to hell. Mulan meets Prince Phil and Hopper's unkilled in this week's episode, The Outsider. Uh, Gus, Gus. <laughs> A stranger lies in bed dying. Dr. Whale fails, but he's always trying. Regina reunite, reunites with her mother in this week's episode, In the Name of the Brother. I think that's what my best one in probably that was a really good three one. or four weeks. Yeah, oh, yeah, last week was just wretched. Let's just move on past that. Anyway. Uh, Anton the Giant runs away. Rumple confronts the TSA. James takes something shiny from the giant, who's whiny, in this week's new episode, Tiny. That was a beautiful read. Cora and Regina go after a dagger. Rumple's normal, but still has swagger. Bay is found by Emma. He's bothered, especially when he learns of the boy that he fathered. Pre-Dark One Rumple is no General Patton. All in this week's episode, Manhattan. That was a lovely reading. I actually, I, this is one of my favorites. This is one of my favorites. This is so much better than last week. Uh, Gus, Gus. <laughs> we meet Snow's mom. She doesn't survive. Rumple gets stabbed when Hook's Hook arrives. Bay's stealing his ship as the dagger deals dread in this week's episode. The queen is dead. dead. <laughs> well, uh, perhaps it, we should start with a limerick. Oh, the no? the little rhyme I usually Your write rhyme. for these. Okay, yeah, yeah. Let's just do let's that. just let's just jump into it. Okay, okay. young Cora gets Sora. Omg! Oh my! Omg! Snow is evil now. I can't even think of rhymes. Let's just get into the episode discussion. Love Bell. Do, 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 do. Bell's memory restored, but it's not what's expected. Greg and Tamara have Hook, and they've both defected. Rumpelstiltskin goes full evil for love after the love of his life gives a shove. Emma spills the beans and Nottingham's racy. All in this week's episode, Lacey. Lacey, Racy, Lacey. Oh, Lacey. Uh, Gus, Gus. <laughs> Greg and Tamara are out to kill magic. Snow gets through to Queenie, but the ending is tragic. Emma and Henry start a new operation, and the beans are burned down at the secret plantation. Storybrooke is in danger and Maleficent seen. All in this week's episode, The Evil Queen. <laughs> That's, that's, that's how Regina laughs. Yeah, no. Regina is missing. The Charmings are scared. The Queen's getting tortured. She's a little impaired. Greg and Tamara are working for someone. And the treasure Greg finds isn't a fun one. A shadow takes Bay on a magical flight. All in this week's episode, Second Star to the Right. Storybrook shakes when the trigger is hit. The Storybrook stranger is the one who did it. Belle's memory comes back thanks to a blue potion, and her goodbye to Rumple is filled with emotion. The whole cast sails off. Hook helps without warning in this week's episode, Straight On Till Morning. Straight On Till Morning. 
Neverland. Neverland. They're off to Neverland. Curse you, Neverland. <laughs> uh, Gus, Gus. <laughs> and we're back. I hope you like the little Gus Gus sound effects I put in there. Okay, now uh, this is going to be the bigger section. It's about 45 minutes. You won't hear from modern Bill, August 2013 Bill, until the end of the episode because I put together about 45 minutes of short clips that I just I went through the, all the episodes tonight and grabbed some clips of things that I remembered fondly or that people had pointed out to us that were some of their favorite moments from the show. And I tried to get a lot of, you know, the tropes of our show, the kind of reoccurring jokes like Gus Gus, and, you know, try to get some of the origins of that kind of stuff in there, as well as some theories that uh, we were really wrong about and some theories that we turned out pretty good about. So uh, go ahead and uh, kick back and enjoy listening to the last year of our lives on this podcast, and I'll see you at the end. The poor little thing scared to death. Okay, so out of a baker's dozen <laughs> death candles. <laughs> baker's dozen of death candles. What would you give this episode? Uh, baker's dozen is what, 14? 13. 13? You're not a baker. No, not at all. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for 12 out of 13. 12 baker's out of 13? dozen death candles. What happened to that last death candle? It was glazed. It was sprinkles. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, there's always room for improvement. Fair enough. Fair it's enough. like, you know, self-evaluation. You mm-hmm. never give yourself a 10 unless the scale's out of 11. Well, I, I think you, I'm... You got? I, I, Are you going I, 13 out of 13? I, I was going to say I'm about to be the exception that proves the rule. I don't what? know what that means. That no, I give it a 13 out of 13. I thought it was an awesome episode. I thought I thought Manhattan was the pinnacle of what the show had to offer. No, nope, this definitely was this better. This bumped it up a This notch. was even better than – and Manhattan was pretty good. Yeah, this had some powerful reveals, some powerful character-changing moments, mm-hmm. and freaking The Handmaid did it. That's what I say. This was a pretty good episode. This was overall. a really good episode. We got really we got good. to uh, meet some important characters in the snows early life. And say goodbye life. to them as well. Yes, yes. But uh, <laughs> hello, goodbye. Alvidas <laughs> and good night. Yeah, I can't pronounce that. Anyway, I think this is going to be one of the main themes for this second half of the season and i think it already has been a theme so far uh in we we've talked about it uh but rumple came out and said it in this episode almost with air quotes around it when he said it uh regina redeemed yeah and you know i I think this season last season was the story of the curse being broken this season is going to be the season of regina Regina broken (laughs) uh, broken and rebuilt Yes. You know, it, it's going to be the season of her becoming the, uh, you know, the, not the hero of, of the kingdom or Storybrooke or whatever, but at least one of the main heroic figures right. within the town. I can see that. I actually, I'm jumping on the old Regina is actually redeeming boat. Mm. I'm jumping on. Well, episodes like this, it's it's very it's hard not to. Yeah. It, it's it's either, you know, they're going to a full redemption or they want us to think they are. Like the scene with her crying in the car when... There was... Uh, see, I actually got more from the 
in the um, police station. Mm. Her reaction to Archie being killed. Yeah. Showed humanity. Mm-hmm. It showed actual emotion from her. Yeah. Because he's a very important person. She may have been mad at him, mm-hmm. but she didn't want him dead. And yeah. that's pretty impressive for her not to want someone dead. See, I, I think the scene of her in the car stood out oh, a yeah. bit more to me just because she was by herself. Right. No one could see her. So it like it, obviously she's not doing it for us, the audience. Right. She's not putting on an act. So she's not putting on an act. Right. You know, uh, her wanting Henry back and everything that, that that scene showed me that it's not some ploy or some trick right. or some selfish thing. She just wants the kid back because she's learned to care for him over the years. Right. Okay. So I have a theory on Dr. Frankenstein. You know how we were talking last week, how Rumpel's basically like every fairy tale character ever. Yeah. About six of them at least already. Well, I I kind of have a feeling that they're going to, to be making the doctor another fairy tale character too, specifically the wizard of Oz. That'd be interesting. It would. It we, w- do, we need some Oz. Mm-hmm. Need well, flying monkey. Oz is coming. It's just a matter of time. It is Oz, yeah. But there were a lot of big clues in this episode. For instance, Jefferson, uh, I forget how we phrased it. It was something like, he's a wizard. Uh, off we go to see him. Something Which, like you that, know, yeah. You definitely, or, the word to wizard, the wizard was said a good couple times. Yeah, and that's, that's you know, a direct reference to the song but from the... We're off to see the wizard. A wonderful, wonderful wizard, wizard of Oz. Oz. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Plus, his world is black and white like Kansas was right. uh, at the beginning of the movie. And I, I could see a scene of, you know, the villagers chasing him off and him running away to Oz. I could see that. Anyway, next. Okay, so uh, we, we get a little update on our strange visitor from another uh, area of the country. Uh, what's his name? Oh, I just uh, had his name in my head. It, Mandel. I remember. I re- <laughs> Is it Dave Mandel or Greg Mandel? I know Greg, I had this problem Greg. before. Greg it's Mandel Greg. Uh, gets a a cell phone video of Regina doing uh, her Ma- Levitosio. Wingardium <laughs> uh, Leviosa. Yes, I, I can't remember it. Um, Sorry. But Noah levitating be- the contents of Bell's purse up in the air, and he sends it out to someone. So I guess uh, her. Ma- I guess magic's going to go viral. Basically, because uh, you know that's going to. Once you send a cell phone video to somebody, a thousand people have it within five minutes. That's just the, the, the rules of the internet. Pretty much. Imagine if they'd had Vine. Mm-hmm. Mm. But uh, it, it's a shame he didn't get some uh, footage of the uh, giant that was running around I know. Around like, how did he not get any week. of that? But, yeah, so I, I'm guessing, you know, that'll... That'll be a pathway to uh, what I've been thinking. You know, the news trucks pulling up. Yeah, I mean, it's, towards the end it's of the just season. more and more you see that happening. Yeah, because that clip will go viral in a second. Although a, a lot of people would probably shout it down as fake immediately. Yeah, but you know he's got to have more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why he's sticking around. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm going to stay for a little while. What? I, I wonder how everyone's going to react to that because they were all about getting him out of town without exactly. him doing anything as quickly as possible. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that going. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see. Okay, Hook in this episode. Um, for the most part, he was portrayed pretty much as you know classic bad guy. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think there were a couple moments where it kind of seemed like 
he was working with Korra towards a purpose, and he was still actually kind of loyal to Emma, but he was just kind of upset about the whole being abandoned in Giant Land thing. Yeah. Like, do, do, do you think that's the case? Do you think Hook could still potentially be on the side of the angels? Mm-hmm. Well, if you won't disagree with me, I will. I think Hook is completely on the side of the, side of the baddies now in that him and Korra are the worst people on Earth, and ha. I'm, I'm so curious who wrote the book. Did we ever get clarification on that? We have still not got clarification. Weren't we supposed to find that out last season? No, I think we're supposed to find that out. That I think they said at that Paley Center thing, which uh, we have the link uh, from, I think, Couple. last episode or two episodes ago uh, up on the site. It was at least three episodes ago. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. But I, I think they said there that we would find out who wrote the book this okay, season. Okay, well, they have three episodes. I, this is just hate, hate, hate. This is the Sorry, hater episode. It's a really negative episode. Just we both have a nice big glass of haterade here. Apologies. Haterade. <laughs> but uh, we were both pretty disappointed in the reveal of the mystery man from the beginning of the first episode of the season. Now Neil Cassidy is the character's name. Neil Cassidy, regular run-of-the-mill thief. Yeah, he turns out to be the schlub uh, that Emma runs into. He didn't and... look terribly schlubby in episode one, though. Yeah, he looked he kind looks of... He like he's turned his life around once we get past this episode. Mm-hmm. And somehow he made it back to the States. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, I just... Yeah, it's just... Uh, it, it After all the buildup and all the... in in It probably has a bit to do with being so involved in you know the online community and discussions about the show and everything. Right. There were so many good theories out there oh, for there who he was. Theory. Especially, you know, most people's favorite theory, which was Bay. Yeah. Uh, you know, that it, it, it just kind of fell flat that he was just some guy that happened to knock Emma up. Right. <laughs> you know, like to a fall in love in with past. Emma and knock her up. Now, I, ha- I have heard a few people saying online that, you know, what was in that box that August showed him? Oh, it, we can get to that That's later. That's fine. We can talk about it now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's jumping ahead four points. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, what was in that box that uh, August showed him? Because, uh, you know, he sh- August shows him something in a box to get him to, to convince him to help. Imagine. Right. And uh, a lot of people were saying that might have it might be something directly relating to Bay. So confirmed. Bay is Neil. Smiley face. <laughs> Yay! We can finally all stop talking about is Bay Neil is Neil Bay. Yes, uh, Neil Bay definitely the same. Stated outright several times in yes. this episode. It's um, official, though. Totally going to say the August reveal because we do get the flashback of what was in the box. What was in the box? What was in the box? Haterade. Basically, it was a yeah. typewriter the, that said, "I, I know, know your bale fire." fire. After, How horrible is that? Like, it should have been a picture of the dagger at least. Yeah, a picture, a picture of the dagger would have been fine. After a all, picture of Rumple. Like that's been such a sticky sticking point since it showed up in Tallahassee. Like any any time we've discussed uh, the the mystery of Bay when we did the Once Upon a Time a round table podcasters round table right a few months ago. Uh, you know, we spent a good twenty minutes talking about. What What's could in be in the, the box. box? And it's a typewriter with a piece of paper basically saying, I know who you are. Yeah, like, that it was... was just a little anticlimactic. It really, like, I mean, yeah, it was believable. Yeah, it did its <laughs> purpose, but come on. 
Yeah, if 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 you're gonna make such a big mystery about what's in the I box, know, like don't don't make it a reveal that we already got like two minutes prior in the episode, right? Because right. you know we got the reveal that he was. If that was the moment that we we found out, it might have been. We better. found out the audience found out it was Bay. It, it probably would have played a little better. Yeah, but we found that out like five or six minutes before. Perhaps an editor messed up there. Greetings from Storybrooke. I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Anne-Marie DeSimone. And this show is hacked together about as well as Frankenstein's brother. Uh, I think actually we did we did prepare. We prepared. Uh, we we actually took an extra day to prepare to make sure we were completely just yeah, prepared. You know, uh, with this uh, newfangled uh, Skype technology, we could probably actually get more than one guest on here if we want. I know, it's amazing. It's going to blow my no. mind. Now that, now, that, now that we've, uh, well, we're not done yet. Anything could happen. But now that we've done one. It's, it's and- sort of like once upon a time where anything can happen. Yes. Basically. We need a flashback. <laughs> <laughs> flashback just uh, three weeks ago. We're going to have a spoiler party. We're going to invite a guest. Flashback to one week ago. Oh man, my computer doesn't work. <laughs> one of the, those new characters we got to meet was uh, Johanna. Uh, uh, Mrs. Padmore. Yeah, for those of Downton Abbey. Yeah, I've um, never watched the Downton Abbey, so I didn't really have, have the, the association. But uh, I, I, my big revelation during my second watching tonight of this episode is that. Johanna, although she comes off as a very sympathetic character and you feel very bad for everyone involved when she dies at the end, I think she was in on the whole plot with Cora. I think Cora was using her. I have evidence here that I'm going to pull out of my evidence file. All right, let's hear the concerning evidence this file. theory. Okay. So, I think it's true. That's point one. It was the worst evidence ever. Okay, point two. Thrown out of turn. No. It really is true. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. So um, who told Yun Snow about the Blue Fairy, who was actually Cora? Oh. Johanna. Who, that she's not even supposed to know about it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, I'll buy that one. Who took snow out on her horse the day that regina saved her as we found out in a flashback in this episode they were all out they were traveling they were all out but she was with johanna she was with johanna talking to johanna uh who was snow looking for when she stumbled coincidentally upon cora and regina in the woods well she was already with johanna but yeah she was looking for johanna who was used as a bargaining chip when they had the big confrontation about the dagger in the clock tower? And who had a shocked and shamed look on her face when it was revealed that Cora was the one who killed Snow's mom? Johanna. Johanna was in on the whole thing. That's my theory. What do you think? I like it, actually. Greetings from Storybrooke. I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Anne-Marie DeSimone. And uh, this is a show uh, where we... We don't know what we're talking about. We're just talking. Yeah, that was probably the, the worst lead-in yep. I've ever had. Uh, we're a Once Upon a Time podcast. Woo-woo.
but we found a couple things about the nature of the cursed version of Storybrooke. Uh, as you said, I'll go ahead and let you say it again. Um, like the Storybrooke just starts over every day. It's Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's basically it's Groundhog Groundhog Day. Day. I mean, there can it seems there can be some progression as far as characters because you know you see Geppetto uh, just nailing the sign and then the third or fourth day he's like man i hope this sign stays up this time but it, it seems more or less the entire town and all the actions that everyone takes reset every day uh, right. which ki- kind of answers my question uh that i've had for the past several weeks since greg showed up in town where are they getting food where are they getting this where are they getting that i'm guessing be- since that whole resetting of the town kind of denotes a a bit of a magical property to it uh, even though you know the curse no magic all that that um you know the curse kind of takes care of all of their needs like food and trash service and all that kind of stuff it's just weird though because they get the newspaper Mm -hmm. they have computers which is obviously a bit of evolution from 1983 Yeah, well, I mean, they had a lot of signs around town that were very 80s, too. Right. And so I'm I'm guessing probably what happens is it resets in the year. Yeah, well, you you know, and I'm thinking of this as in kind of like computer terms, too. When it does the reset, cross references with what's going on in the world around it and kind of updates and configures to that. That's either, complex. Either that or it was stuck in the 80s until Emma got there. One or the other. Well, it couldn't have been stuck in the 80s until Emma got there because Henry took internet. Mary Margaret's yeah credit card and got on the internet to find his mommy. I, I, I wonder if, I, I wonder if uh, there was a computer with the internet on it before Henry got there, though. Maybe exactly. Henry brought that with him. Exactly. Because, I mean, the computer wasn't his room. It was his computer. So may, maybe uh, he brought that because, you know, as we said, too, we really haven't seen anyone else use the Internet besides uh, him and Emma. besides him and Emma. But so they know I, about it. They do know about it. it but could that have been uh, because of Henry, do you think? I don't know, because like the whole reset thing, it makes sense for all the cursed people, but it doesn't. Uh, how could it keep resetting if there's a stranger in a sense there? Because yeah. when Henry got there, it couldn't just reset every day. Well, obviously, uh, it, it did to some degree because he was able to pick up on it, you know, over the course of being there several months. Uh, well, hey, hey, how, how long was, was he, he there? Yeah, it, we'll, we'll say probably several months to a couple of years, somewhere in that range. Uh, but, you know, it, it was enough for him to pick up on it that, oh, this person walks by this place every day and right. says the same thing to me every, every day. day. And that's kind of what got him suspicious and working towards finding Emma and telling her about the book and all that kind of stuff. Well, and then it's weird, though. Where did Mary Margaret get the book? This is true. The, in the, uh, did it just, like, come over with them? Because I don't feel like somebody was just walking around um, fairy tale land or the Enchanted Forest, whatever it's technically called, with mm-hmm. a book about what was going on at the time. Like, they weren't writing an autobiography. Yeah, after this episode, we had almost every question I've had since the beginning of the series answered, except for the book question. Like, we still don't know a ton about the book. Right, and I wish we did. 
Now, first of all, uh, we have a voicemail from Elena, and uh, we'll let it speak for itself. Here we go. Hello, greetings from Storybrooke. To pronounce my name is um, Alina. I think Bill Mee said it right. I wanted to say uh, I love your podcast. You're very funny and insightful. I love the way you summarize the episode into a poem. This is just my theory, but what if Rumpelstiltskin just didn't need Dr. Love just to church? Regina also wanted to learn everything about science so he could um, trump science, oh, I mean, trump badger over science. That's my theory. And that's the reason why he wanted to know everything Dr. Love knew about science, not just to trick Regina, but because maybe he foresaw something that science can defeat magic or counteract it in a way. That's why he wanted to um, learn everything that Dr. Well knew. So that's my theory. My name's Alina. That's how you pronounce it. I don't care that y'all pronounce it wrong. Most people I know pronounce it wrong. That's why they used to call me by my middle name, which I can see. So thank you for your podcast. I love you. I mean, I mean, I love you. I mean, I love your podcast. Thank you. We love, we you, love too, you too. We love you too. I know that's an interesting theory, though. Do you think Rumpel knew that magic had this weakness, and that's why he reached out to Doctor Whale to begin with? Very possible. I, you know, if if anyone, he's a seer too, though, so he mm-hmm. may again. He may have foreseen it. the he's, secret society. God, and, he's foreseen so many things. Yes. Robin Hood and his enchanted bow and his backstory. That was kind of boring. Yeah, it just seemed it seemed kind I of saw where it story. was going. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see it. It was nice to see the relationship build, mm-hmm. and the, you know the equal yet opposite relationship building in Storybrooke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was kind of a like it seems like any anybody who comes in from classic. British mythology kind of gets the short shrift because that happened with Lancelot too. He was just kind of well. I got he, I he had a better flashback actually. Better flashback. Um, but yeah, uh, he he just didn't impress me very much. And you know they they had a couple things layered in there that they could go back to, like why was Maybarian sick? Blah blah. Well, blah. Well, that was that was another part of mine. Is who's the baby? What do you mean? Maybarian was like uber pregnant. Well, I. Assume that her and Robin Hood probably had probably had a nice night and shared. No, 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 no. But who is the baby? Oh, who like in Storybrooke? Like, who's the character? Do we know the character? There's a lot of this children running around well, Storybrooke. We, I don't think we don't even know if Robin Hood is in Storybrooke or not. But the sheriff is the sheriff. And we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. I, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, we don't even know if Robin Hood's in Storybrooke, and it, it, it just seems so weird. It, like. You know they found they found a decent way to to bring him in to bring him in and everything, but you know they pumped it up so much in all the advertising. Oh my god! For Robin like two Hood weeks, I was like, "Ooh, Robin Hood! This is going to be good. This is going to be this is not good." Okay, this just popped into my head. Okay, sure. It's not group. fully formed. Oh, oh. Uh, you know how I, I believe it was Hope mentioned in our last episode that maybe the organization was started by the Darling. Yes. I Maybe as part of Bay getting out of Neverland, <sighs> Wendy Darling got taken to Neverland in his place or something. And maybe they're going to use Henry as a bargaining chip to get the leader of their secret, weird religious society cult back. Ooh. Interesting. I'll have to remember that. Definitely not fully formed. I'm going to need you to listen to this episode tomorrow and write that down. If you followed my greetings from Disney tweets, 
Yeah, uh, we saw we saw Lilo or Stitch, Stitch. rather. Lilo was persona non grata, but we saw Stitch around Disney World a lot. Uh, we should probably talk about that a little bit in the new Fairy Tale Land. We'll go ahead, Fantasy and- Land. Fantasyland. Uh, we'll we'll take a little break we'll here. We'll take a moment. And, and you, you know, I I, I think. Uh, why, why don't you go ahead and talk about the bell? The bell. Attraction? It was amazing. Yeah, because I didn't go on that. But so go ahead and dish. Okay, so for those of you who are interested in the full Disney experience, um, the bell story time with Bell is amazing. It was the longest wait we had of the day, and you go in and you go into. Um, First, you know, while you're waiting in line, you're in the house. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things to pay attention to because they actually quiz you when you go into Maurice's uh, workshop. The cast member asks questions of the, and all that. And the mirror comes to life kind of and you walk through the mirror and you're in the castle. Mm. So it's really cool. And then um, it's an interactive uh attraction and they pass out parts and like you know some people have like a little paper cut out or a hat or a cape or something and um and then they are you're reenacting the day that bell and beast fell in love Hmm. it's and you know so it's the big yellow dress number it's the main yeah you know tale as old as time and it was pretty amazing Mm-hmm. And I don't just say that because my daughter was the beast. <laughs> um, was not even her acting debut, but <laughs> she was an amazing beast. <laughs> but it was really cool. And well, um, I don't know if you've ever been to Disney, you know, they give you those photo passes whenever you meet the characters or, you know, there's the random photographers around Disney. Well, they have one that's specific to Storytime with Belle that they give you when you're leaving that has they, – because they had a photographer taking stuff the whole time. Uh-huh. So you and can get like the whole show. You can get the whole the whole shebang because they do you know individual pictures with everyone that was in the cast with Belle mm-hmm. and all the other little kids in the audience. So and like – so even if you're, you or your kid weren't in the show, you get one. Yeah. So it's really cute. Yeah, I'd also like to talk about uh, you. You know, you can jump in because we both went on this one. I am. It's not really even pertinent to the show too much because she hasn't made an official appearance yet. But the uh, the Little Mermaid ride, the Little Mermaid, was really cool too. It was very, you know, it's a basic classic Disney ride animatronic. You ride in a shell figures, and you you kind of get an overview of the story of the Little Mermaid as well as all the uh, big musical numbers and of everything. Course. But it it was just it was it was just so well done that it snapped me right back into the seat I was sitting in when I was what eight years old and went to see Little Mermaid yeah. in the theater. I it, it, they it, did really good with that and the the interactive when you go to meet Belle or um, Ariel, uh-huh. she was awesome. That yeah. was probably my favorite character. Like she was the most interactive and most in character. Mm-hmm. So it was, her grotto is really cool. Yeah, her her voice was even. Oh yeah, she, I mean, identical. she worked on that. Yeah. yeah, obviously they work on that, but she was she was committed. Uh huh. And you know that's impressive when you're doing something like that. I think mm. coming from an actor's standpoint. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have phenomenal stuff in uh, Fantasyland. Uh, so if you're a Once Upon a Time fan, obviously you're going to want to check it out. We had a great time. 
But first, for you, listeners of Greetings from Storybrook, Brooke, I can't say the name of the he show. You can't speak today. I'm sorry. I know. I can never speak. No. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to, opportunity to check out their service. Uh, now, Audible, uh, they, you uh, buy a membership and you get a book a month. Basically, an audiobook a month that you can throw on your iPad, your Android phone, your iPod, your iPhone, your Creative Zen player, I think they support. Wow. But, but uh, it, you know, just pop in the audiobook while you're out there uh, during your day, working out, uh, walking the dog, whatever. You can be reading a book at the same time. And uh, this week, uh, Amory does not have a recommendation. I'm Shame looking for on one you. right now. I, <laughs> it's the first day of summer vacation in our house. I'm going crazy. But I thought considering all the abandoned boys uh, we had in this week's episode, and also because it reminded me of my book that I'm finishing up right now, which was inspired by by my suggestion, I thought I would suggest it. It's a dramatized version of Oliver Twist. Uh, in Oliver Twist, you know, the classic uh, tale about an orphan uh, by Charles Dickens, but it's a full dramatization, uh, you know, with sound effects and music. It's kind of like an old radio play. Really, really fun. But the link to that will be in our show notes. I'm not, I'm, they didn't have what I wanted. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, to download your free audiobook, it could be Oliver Twist, or you can pick out whatever you want. Uh, you can go to audibletrial.com slash storybrook. That's audibletrial.com slash storybrook. And again, uh, thanks to Audible. Thank you, for Audible. Sponsoring uh, Greetings from Storybrook. And go get your free audiobook. Go book. get a free book. Why not? And now, on to the news. News. Greetings from Storybrook. I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Anne Marie DeSimone. And this is not magic. It's much better than that. It's a podcast, and right now it's counteracting every magic bone in your body. It's a podcast it's a about podcast. once about time. It's a podcast. Once, a, once upon time. Once upon time? Yeah, that's the show we cover. Once upon time <laughs> on BC. <laughs> what, what are we talking about? Um, sunshine butterflies. Snow's decision. <laughs> Snow's decision. Uh, now, I, th she made several decisions in this episode. She did. She made one very important one, though. The one very, very important one. That was to send Henry off with uh, Ruby. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Obviously, we are talking about uh, they, the big... One will die. Uh, one has died. One has died. I just saw that hashtag. <laughs> one has died. <laughs> one just died. <laughs> but uh, indirectly at Snow's hand, basically what happens... There was it, no indirectly. Uh, well, a little bit. Uh, it, we, we, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> no, but basically, Rumple's laying there dying, poisoned by Hook's dagger. Uh, Cora and Regina are on their way. And Rumple suggests to Snow in a moment... When they're alone, well, Snow had vowed to kill Cora in the last episode anyway, so it wasn't a huge shock. But he suggests uh, that Snow gets the candle from last week's episode that we saw that she wouldn't use to save her own mother and uh, use that candle on Cora's heart and then have the heart inserted back into Cora's body and then she would die and it would save Rumple. And so Snow... Uh, after a little resistance, decides that this is a good idea, and she sneaks away during the big battle, and she goes down to the crypt, 
and uh, Regina's Crypt and finds Chorus Heart and does the the candle voodoo. And uh, then Regina, Cora uh, realizes, like, it has a feeling that someone's going after her heart. She, she sends Regina. It. She's like, Ugh. yeah. And uh, so Regina shows up just as uh, Snow's leaving. And uh, Snow tells her that uh, she got the heart for Regina so she could put it back into her mother so they could they could have love again and her mother could love again and they could be a nice, big, happy family. And uh, then Regina does that and yeah. Cora dies. But so. she has a moment of happy. She's, she she she's does a very strong moment of happy, like that smile was actually very frightening. Mm-hmm. But little... what I want to talk about right now, though, know. is the implications for the character of Snow. Oh yeah, I know you left it there. <laughs> no, it, but I it, I think I think this almost takes Snow from being one of the good guys to being one of the bad guys. I I expected Snow to kill somebody pretty much Did in you? this episode. Okay, well. She said at the end of the last episode, I am going to kill Cora. Yeah, she really did. You you had to know she would at least try, but I did like I think what took it over for me was the lie she told to Regina. When Regina Yes. Okay, Regina I believed mean, it way too easy. And, but, and I I mean you can kind of you might excuse it by saying, you know, Snow was caught red handed. Uh another pun. Sorry. Uh but you know, Snow was caught red-handed, and she was thinking on her feet, and this, that, and the other. But I could, there, there has to be at least one or two other things she could have said to get out of that situation, other than being like, "Here, go kill your mom for me." Yeah, like I don't know, but like Regina hates Snow. Mm. Why would she just be like, "Oh, that's so sweet, Snow. Thank you so much," and go shove a heart in her mom? Because, like, because Regina's evil and she's cynical and she sees Snow as, like I said, like this Pollyanna kind right, of character, but, and she doesn't th- she doesn't think Snow has that in her. Then why would Snow have gone for the heart? And you know, I'm, no, I'm there's nothing pro Regina about me, but well, yeah, you know, even even up to last episode, we had scenes between Snow and Regina where they were where Snow was trying to reach out to Regina to try and save her. And I, I think, you know, being in Regina's position, especially since she seemed to be getting a little shaky on her mother's motivations. Yeah, she really was. Um, you, you know, she didn't come out right out and say it, but she was questioning and this, that and the other. I, th- I think she trusted Snow's intentions because she knows that Snow White is above reproach and perfect. Right. And- yeah. I- I, st- I can't believe And just it. wants her to be good and everyone to be happy and there to be peace. Yay, happy. And she didn't think that Snow would ever, That's true. <laughs> ever That's true. Okay. stoop to this level of that. deceit. I'll buy that. Uh, Anthony, Anthony do, you, do you have any theories about uh, what, what might be going on with uh, Tamara and Greg at all? Do, do you have any inkling of, of how that might have developed? Well, um, let me see here. Basically, I like what I probably think that's going to happen. She's probably going to play a big role in the season finale, most definitely. I mean, it's it's out there. I think in the um, trailer from this past Sunday's episode, um, I could have sworn I heard, "Oh, I'm the one that's trying to get rid of magic," or "Oh, I'm trying to do this," or "I'm trying to do that," and you know, it's just that. 
Evil starting to really wear his ugly head around, and you really can't tell whether she's trying to get rid of it for just her own selfish or trivial ends of just taking for herself, or mm-hmm. if she's just trying to, you know, just getting getting rid of it all. Since See, I think she's trying to capture it. I think she's trying to, like, yeah, because she was, like she said when she was talking to the dragon, is she was, she has traveled the world far and wide trying to find Mm -hmm. magic, basically, Mm -hmm. and he was the only one who had real magic, and she basically killed him so nobody else could find it. So, going off of that, going into Storybrooke, um... At the beginning of the episode, we see um, Rumple downstairs spinning the straw into gold, and Belle wakes up in the middle of the night from a terrible dream. I sing a story, or I sing a rhyme. It's as though I've heard it for the very first time. I have no idea what that was. I was in the middle of talking, and then he puts on a musical. Anytime we mention Belle, I am going to try and play the theme song from the CBS Saturday morning show, Sing Me a Story with Belle. That's horrible, because all of my points this week are Belle. Excellent. Excellent. I don't well, want to... who, who, who wouldn't love that song? It's a very sweet song, and it was a very good show where Belle was basically working in a library. Hi, can I continue with my point now? Go ahead and continue with your point. Okay, so on to our listener feedback. Uh, First of all, we got another voicemail uh, this week uh, from our good friend, Wynn, who also wrote a follow-up letter, which we'll get to in a minute. But first, we'll play your voicemail. Hi, Anne-Marie and Bill. This is Wynn, and I have a prediction for next week. Remember how Cora impersonated Lancelot so well for so long? I think she and Hook will get to Storybrooke while in the forms of Snow and Emma, with the real Snow and Emma hot on their heels. Cora's magic might be strong enough to negate the spell cast by Rumple and Regina to kill those who go through the portal, and everyone then manages to make it through. Since we know Episode 9 has to end as a cliffhanger, perhaps Hook and Cora have just enough time to do something rotten to Rumple and Regina before the real Snow and Emma get home. You were wrong, dude. Sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, maybe if we had put out a midweek episode, you could have basked in the glory of your brilliant I loved it. It was fantastic. Yeah, I would I would I went with it. I went with it. I would have watched that episode. I was I actually kept expecting it <laughs> after that prediction. But no. Unfortunately, Unfortunately not. See, I, I, I know the actor, uh, Gina Carlo Esposito, is on Revolution now, but I would really like to see her and the genie get together because he's, he, he's, he's had that. They, they, I mean, they went that way, kind yeah. of. Well, well I she mean, was using him. But, yeah, she, you know. she was definitely using him, but he, he had that. He, he had, did he go again? Uh, he, he got arrested for the disappearance. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Jail he he went to Revolution Land, the land, <laughs> the land over on NBC <laughs> where they don't have power. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
That's another Dorian Jefferson's hat. Revolution <laughs> Land. Uh, NBC. <laughs> NBC. Um, yeah, they have NBC, CBS, Fox, the CW, UPN. Okay, so first off, uh, in that little, really cute little date scene with the hamburgers. Crashy. Yeah, with with Rumple and Belle, uh, Regina shows up and tells uh, Mr. Gold that... Cora is trying to get to Storybrooke, and uh, he says, uh, you told me you saw her body. Now, I, I know we saw an episode where she got sucked into a mirror. In... Right. She got pushed into the looking glass. Yes. But I don't, I don't believe we've ever seen a, a scene where uh, Regina, her her Regina saw her dead body. I feel like that would have stuck out because mm. all the Cora stuff seems to have stuck out because it wasn't. All over. Yeah, so I, I'm guessing that might be a flashback we'll end up seeing next week, later on, or something like I'd that. Say next. Probably I'd next, see week. next week. Yeah, like any any. Because isn't next week the Queen of Hearts? Like, it is. come on, it hello. Is. I which uh, with a uh, popular theory that would be talking oh. about Cora. So uh, overall, on a scale of. One to twelve magic beans. What do you give this episode? Um, you say one to twelve. One to twelve magic beans. I'm going for eight magic beans. Eight magic beans. Why? It was good. I liked mm. it. I just lots of backstory. Yes. I'd like a little bit more forward. And like while I was sitting taking my notes, I tried to you know mark the scenes, mm-hmm. and it, they just kept going. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth after like three lines. Yeah. And I find that really frustrating and mm-hmm. it's very jarring and jumpy for me. Yeah. Well, I would prefer to have a five minute scene, then we cut to another five minute scene. Now mm-hmm. we know why they did it. It always makes sense. Yeah. But it's just very jarring for me. Yeah. You know that, that structure you're talking about, I noticed too. And it, like, it, They've done it in a few episodes. Well, yeah. And it was, it was very strong in this episode and it really struck me as almost. A uh, like a comic book way to do it because a lot of times in comic books they'll have, you know, the, two characters will be having a conversation. You turn the page and you have a caption with the last line from that conversation uh. over the scene, the next scene, and somehow that line ties into the scene that they're going into. Uh-huh. And I, I really felt that, especially in this episode. Yeah, I could see that. But yeah, it was a good episode. I would give it. I, I'd give it ten out of twelve. Magic. You're getting a ten. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, I, you know, still not terribly happy with Jorge Garcia as the giant. So much better than the Haterade episode, though. Yeah, yeah. Like I think even the graphics and everything up in Giant Land were much better this time. Not a, not as much in Storybrooke though. No. He didn't look very good in Storybrooke when he was giant. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what should we call it? You know, it, even given that, I, I still thought I, I really enjoyed his character story in this episode. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, th- I thought they set some good stuff up and set some things in motion. It was a transition episode, but it was a really well done transition episode. So 10 out right. of 12 magic beans. Uh, th- this is definitely, I think, the darkest. If, if, if that shadow was Pe- the Peter Pan from the stories, this is by far the darkest reimagining of a fairy it's tale. So petrifying. Oh, yeah. Uh, Neverland is called Neverland because you can never leave. Yes. And when and when they were flying, you could hear the kids screaming. Oh, yeah. Screaming and like, crying. Okay. Granted, the first time I watched it was after midnight. I had just worked <laughs> seven hours. I was really tired. But it was really good. And then I re- just rewatched it. And I was like, mm-hmm. 
there are crying children here. Yeah, it was. I it, don't want to go to Neverland anymore. It was completely dark and twisted. Not at all what I was expecting, no. but I loved it. Oh yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, but uh, very, very interesting. Uh, it, and it, it, I guess it really just depends on if that shadow was Peter or not as to how you interpret it. I know. And it, which is something a reveal they've saved for a little bit later, I think. But do you think they're going to reveal it next week or do you think they'll carry it over? Oh, I don't think they carry that over the summer. You sure? That's that's a pr- pretty big thing, especially since they're on the pathway to telling Faye's just... full adventures in Neverland. Yeah, we like to do that type of thing, though. We like mm. to hold off. I, w- I would assume by the end of the episode, by the end of the, the season finale, we'll, n- we'll know one way or the other. Right. It brings up the point in like my head. What what is everybody doing? Yeah. Do you not care about your old life? Have you just gone? Well, that's over with, mm-hmm. and you just move on. Yeah. Well, I mean, even you know some of the, and I'm sure it's probably just a budget thing, but some of the scenes they had, like the the party at the beginning of pathetic. the episode, it was just the dwarfs and Archie and Snow and her peeps. Also, yeah. dwarfs, we need something from you. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to demand a dwarf episode, a dwarf centric episode, a dwarf centric episode, because it's mm-hmm. been a while. It's been a while since we lost Stealthy. Cora gives Rumple this weird globe thingy with a needle on it, which looks it- really familiar. Have we seen that before? I. I don't know. I if feel we like had, we saw it yeah, in it, season one in a flashback. It, it seemed almost like we should know what it is. We definitely uh, should have known. I mean, it was pretty obvious as soon as you actually saw it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, it felt very. If familiar. anyone out there knows, uh, if it, I had know a you know the time appearance. code on the episode. <laughs> Pull it out for me. Yeah, send Focus it. Send it along to us. Uh, uh, greetings from Storybrook at gmail dot com. I uh, but yeah, uh, he. He eventually Rumple drops a drop of blood on the globe, and you know a world map shows up, and it shows a spot where Bay is. Now we were trying to figure out where that spot was. That spot is a very large spot. Yeah, at first I thought thought like right above the blood spot there was a little white streak, and I was sitting a little far back from the TV, so I think I didn't really see the. The, the blood spot. so much, the blood spot so much, and I thought that white streak was it, and it looked like it was, you know, somewhere between, like, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Yeah. But the the blood spot, it, it, it's ra- fairly large, and it kind of hits Maryland and D.C. and Philly a Right, but um, I read somewhere, must have been a tweet because I didn't save it, mentioning that it was New York. It looked like nothing like New York to me. Yeah, and we even we even paused the episode we paused and pulled it. out a we map, pulled up a and map. Tried to compare. We were measuring like the curves in and out, the little inlets. Mm-hmm. Like we were we were getting hardcore on that one. Yeah, and, and New York would make sense. New York uh, be- would make sense, but it just wasn't New York. It didn't. I mean, it, there was no New York in that blob. Yeah, I'm wonder, I'm wondering if uh, I, I I don't know. I still think it's like Baltimore. It really looked Baltimore to me. Yeah. Well, I, I guess, you know, we'll see in three weeks where, oh, where they end up heading weeks. on their journey. So long. The Search for Bay. Oh, The Search for Bay. Starring Rumple, Emma, and Henry. Gus Gus. Ah. Uh, Gus Gus. We knew we need- ye far <laughs> too shortly. Far too shortly, like. A.K.A. Billy, the tow truck driver. 
A.K.A. the little fat mouse from the movie Cinderella. My favorite mouse, Gus Gus. Yeah. I, but the coolest part of the entire Gus Gus situation, animals can become humans. Yes. Animal characters in fairy tales can become humans in Storybrooke. Which opens the door to things like The, the Lion, Lion King. King the um, Jungle Book. Jungle Book. Um, trying to, uh, 101 Dalmatians. 101 Dalmatians. That would be... The the <laughs> the cartoon version of Robin Hood. <laughs> well, Robin Hood in general still hasn't made a. Yeah, Robin Hood's been a no show so far. We've got a little Arthur Flounder and Sebastian. True, from the Little Mermaid that we know is coming probably next season. Let's be honest mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, I, well, we will get into kind of their end game for at least this half of the season right. a little later, but. So, but Gus Gus. You were there, you were there, you were gone. Cut in half. Yeah. By an evil king, King George. Bad bad word, bad word, bad (laughs) word. That beeping, beeping, beep. (laughs) Ah, that was a nice trip down memory lane, wasn't it? You know, really, it really gets me excited for the year we have coming up, though. More than being nostalgic. I mean, it's nice to listen to... You know, everything that's come before, but I'm just so excited about everything that's coming up. I'm very excited about the new season, the new series, and of course, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, hopefully getting to meet some of you out at DragonCon this year. Again, uh, we have two, uh, there's two panels that I will be on. Anne Marie will, will be on one of them on Saturday, August uh, 31st in Atlanta, Georgia at DragonCon. Uh, one's the fan casting panel. That's at uh, 11.30 a.m. in Hilton 203. And the second one is the Season 2 panel, About Once, and that's in Marriott M301-302 at 5.30 p.m. Again, all this information is up at greetingsfromstorybrook.com. And please follow me and Anne-Marie on Twitter, at Bill Meeks and at AM Desimone, and get a hold of us so we can all meet up Saturday. Thanks for for listening. Thanks for listening to the show for the past year, and we look forward to bringing you a great second year of Greetings from Storybrooke.